With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Inside the Birds is back. What's going on, everybody? Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan here. We are getting there through training camp. Adam, uh, our our last podcast was fun because we got to talk a little football, uh, give our observations, or at least things that we've been hearing from our sources, and we're going to do the same, kind of a notebook-style podcast today with a little bit more because – now we've got two practices under the belt that were not – they were not in pads, but they were more of your 7-on-7, 11-on-11, like OTA-like practice. And, of course, you know, this morning, Monday morning, is I believe the first that they can even yes. ramp up from there. Yes. So we're going to start talking about that. Pads today. Pads. I know. Yeah, isn't it we weird? Isn't it weird? Like if we were doing this in a normal offseason, right, or a normal preseason – you and I would be going through our observations of a preseason game by now and then probably yeah. giving our two. listeners, you know, source yeah. yeah, two games source sourced intel on what people saw on the tape, and now it's really just coming from, you know, Novacare and, and only like kinda still scale down uh, OTA version of practices. Yeah, look, we, we we've got some good stuff and then the, we're in a new reality here, Jeff. I I, I could tell you back in uh, probably starting two thousand two, probably through twenty twelve or thirteen. Mm-hmm. My goal was always to be at the first Eagles practice in pads. But this year, Jeff, because of the restrictions with the media, they're very limited to how many media members could go. So I'm only going to probably see one or two days, and we'll, I'll have to – you and I will we'll still get information, which would be very, very good. But it, let's hope this is a temporary situation. Today's Monday, mm-hmm. and the Eagles and, like, all NFL teams, they, they could be in pads. But, man, it's – this has just been different for them. Uh, like you said, we, we, we would be entering the third preseason week. Yes, right. something like that. Third, third or fourth. There would be no more than third. But we would have had the, the Hall of Fame game already, the yep. Texans and Chiefs. The Texans and Chiefs, Jeff, were the two teams that got to start early. All right. uh, they, they're in pads a little bit earlier. Now, every NFL team, the other 32, the other 30 teams, have the same practice schedule. Uh, and now they've got three weeks to be in pads. So th- things have – Things are different. There's no question about it. Scott, college scouting is different, Jeff, as you know. So this right. is what we're dealing with. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's just amazing because right about now is when we really started to get into the meat and potatoes of whatever job battles are, are up. And, you know, there's really right now it's, – it's really starting this week. I mean, as you mentioned, they get into pads. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to go through what phase three means. We're going to go through what we've heard uh, 
from the last few days of practice uh, from an offensive and defensive standpoint, talk about any player injuries and things like that. And we're also going to finish it up, Adam. And I know a lot of people are wondering about this, so it's really important that we're touching on it. The Zach Ertz situation now oh, yeah. in light of yeah. the contract extensions for Kittle and for Travis Kelsey. So we're going to get all into that in this podcast. First, want to remind everyone to please check out our ITB television interview with Chiefs general manager, Brett Veach. It was a great exclusive. We went through a lot of uh, Brett Veach's building, uh, you know, him and John Dorsey building up the Chiefs and Andy Reid, of course, and the drafting of Pat Mahomes, their expectations for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's very much like a Brian Westbrook type of prospect. So Eagles fans will be really interested to hearing that as long, along with any fantasy football players. And then, of course, Brett's yeah. story of, of being a scout in the Eagles chain under Andy Reid and now a Super Bowl champion GM. I thought it was a fascinating interview. Uh, I thought we both asked really good questions, and I encourage everybody to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Inside the Birds on YouTube, and check that out. And then also check us out on InsideTheBirds.com. We've been pumping out some good content. Andrew DiCecco has been writing as well. So make sure everybody gives it a, a view and check that out as well. So let's get right into it, Adam. Let's, let's talk about the last few days of Eagles practice because that was the end of phase two and they were able to do more. And now they're, going, now they're in phase three starting Monday morning here. Uh, why don't you go through what you know about what they can do starting today? All right, so what happened was uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, they started working, the, the veterans started working. It was actually Wednesday mm-hmm. when they started working. And then Friday and Sunday, they, they had Saturday off. Friday and Sunday uh, were non-padded days, but you could do 11-11 and 7-7. So just talking to various teams around the NFL uh, this past weekend, that was really when they, the, the competition started, really Friday. I was talking to a quarterback coach who was anxious to see the younger quarterbacks on his roster uh, compete to see if they could make the roster as a, as a third quarterback or just get a better view of these kids. And for the Eagles, let's, let's talk about them, obviously, because this is what our show is about. This is when you could start seeing the veterans get in there, practice against the younger players, and just get the competition ratcheted up. Everybody knows, Jeff, about the Deshaun Jackson video that Chad Johnson tweeted out. Uh, even if you don't have Twitter, I know there's some people on our inside the board, inside the birds message board that there were a couple of people who actually don't have Twitter, which is hard to believe. I don't know how they heard about us, but uh, it's, all, it's all good. Yeah. You, would you know what they say. If it ain't on Twitter, it didn't happen. Right, right. Exactly. But uh, it, the great thing is, and we'll get a little bit of practice intel. From what I understand, and there were two plays where Deshaun looked incredible. He looks even better than he did last summer. And you saw how he carried that over to week one where the 250-yard-plus touchdown catches against the Washington team in Philly. Mm-hmm. And ironically, they play at Washington week one. But Deshaun looks incredible. And what you and I had told our listeners that earlier this offseason, a couple months ago, was that Deshaun takes his fitness seriously. He has his, his trainer. He's a track trainer. And if you watch that video that Chad Johnson tweeted out, Mm-hmm. You could see how Deshaun's thighs have developed. Jeff, when you covered Deshaun for CSNPhilly.com for several years, what do you remember about the body type? What do you remember about Deshaun, the player? I remember when he, when he first was drafted, a lot was made. Uh, there was a reporter, a national reporter, who came to practice. And remember, Deshaun came with a little bit of a reputation. He had a wonderful he, career yeah. at Cal, yeah. uh, but he also had a reputation – you know, his kind of dad was very involved and very vocal with what goes on. 
and that he wasn't the hardest working guy. And I remember a national reporter coming to Eagles OTAs and writing a story about how Deshaun was last in all the drill lines. You know, instead of being first, he was last. And I think what the reporter wrote was not necessarily completely in context because Deshaun wound up having a very, very good rookie year. I think he was almost looking for a reason to slam him. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. it happened. But, you know, Deshaun, the, the one thing that always stuck out to you was that he was just so small, you know, and you always wondered how he was going to be able to play this long. And Bony is what I call he it. Has, it was yeah. Yeah. He was, I, I never, I never, in my observation, never thought he was not a hard worker. I, I always thought he did work hard. Maybe not the hardest, but I always thought on the field, in practice, i tell you what really stands out. When they brought in Asante Samuel, he and Asante hit it off, and they – made practice fun you know i mean it, <laughs> yeah. to have two personalities <laughs> like that going at it every time especially asante yeah especially training camp when it's you you're closer yeah. as a media member you're on the field you could hear the chirping and the asante, talking dude he yeah <laughs> he chirped don't remember when he called he called out paul Domowicz. he go hey Domo, <laughs> hey Domo, remember yeah. that i was like what is this about so the funny story about that and All it's right. pretty well known now is that Damo wrote something that I think might have been mildly critical of Asante. I don't even remember what he wrote, but Asante did not like it. And Asante was all over him, as you were saying, one day in practice. And every after every play, hey, Damo, did you see that? What's up, Damo? Now he was being playful. <laughs> Some people thought it was disrespectful. Some thought it was playful. You can draw your own conclusions. Yeah. But the funny thing is, after that day, Asante Samuel learned – that Paul Domowicz was the Philadelphia chapter representative for a Hall of Fame voting. And what you know, I don't know if you ever talk with Asante, the one thing that he's always he's he holds himself in very high esteem. And he feels that he is the best corner to have ever played the game. Right? <laughs> he's not a Hall of Famer, no chance. I, I, I'm I'm just good I'm player just though. Good, oh, good yeah, very yeah, good just, player, but he he's in that next tier. Okay. There's oh, yeah. Hall of Fame and there there's that Guy, tier that guys won't get in. They're just very, very good football player for very many years. A right. terrific football player, no question about it. But well, yeah, not um, not to deviate, but it's a good story. Yeah. I mean, Asante, yeah. Asante is from Asante is from Florida, okay. and his idol, the guy he loved the most, playing that position, was Deion Sanders, right? Oh, okay. And one day when he was an Eagle, uh, when Asante was an Eagle, Deion Sanders was on the NFL Network, and he said that he felt that Asante was the best off corner in football, which Dion thought was a compliment because he plays zone, he plays off. Yeah. Let me tell you, Asante Samuel Uh-oh. took offense to this, and he <laughs> went ballistic on Dion for saying that because he felt like you're saying, I can't play man-to-man, I can't play press, I can't Oh, I remember this anybody. now. Okay, uh, I do. Okay. To the point where he was basically trashing his idol. I mean, he, you know, when Asante okay. got mad, he'll let you know about it. <laughs> Um, so anyway, oh, to go back oh, to Damo, once he yeah. found out that Damo, which was the Hall of Fame voter for Philadelphia, he was yeah. so nice to Paul. <laughs> I knew it. I just, I knew it. It's funny. I didn't know this story, uh-huh. but the way, as soon as you started hitting at it, I figured he flipped. And that he was is so nice. funny. And it was so a very funny. typical, essay. he'd be like, hey, Damo, I got to be nice to you now, right? You're the Hall of Fame voter. I'm, I'm did he nice say that? Now. Did he oh, say yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh did. my God. That's it, hilarious. It was very funny. It was very funny. But the, I wow. guess uh, what, what got us down this Asante Samuel? Oh, Asante well, and Deshaun. Well, Deshaun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Deshaun, it's good that but, Deshaun but, looks but, but I will tell you, this is one of the many reasons why Chip Kelly didn't want Deshaun on the team. Mm-hmm. Chip's first year, 2013, 
He wanted this situation where guys understood how fast this offense had to be, and you, there was no huddle. So you had to run back to the line or jog. Asan, uh, Deshaun would walk back, and it drove Chip crazy, according to one of the coaches who told me about it. Yeah. And if you look at the litany of issues that Chip and Desha- Deshaun had with each other, from Chip's side, it was a lack of hustle, and there's some other stuff. But, the fact, that, that drove Chip crazy because his offense was all about speed. Yeah. Sean, I was, by the way, Deshaun played damn well for, for Chip. Really had a career year. But um, anyway, Deshaun at 33 years old, the way I hear it, has never looked better. Mm-hmm. So those two clips you saw from Chad Johnson are indicative of how great he's looked. And, you know, you look at his contract, you go, how in the world with all their cap issues, and we'll, this is not a cap show, we'll, we'll deal with this. We've de- we dealt with it earlier in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But, if Jeff, if this guy plays 12 games, he's coming back next season. You just – this kid, it, he, he's healthy. The hamstrings are great for now. He takes his fitness seriously. If you could just be careful with social media, Jeff, I am not ruling out him if he could play just 12 games. Now, they would have – I don't know if they're going to want to pay him $8 million bucks. He's making over $8 million next year. But yeah. he is still one of the two best deep threats in NFL history, Randy Moss being the other. And, and Randy Moss didn't look this good at 33. I don't know about that. You know, I haven't heard Deshaun openly talk much about the Hall of Fame and whether he feels he should be in it, wants to be in it. I mean, everybody wants to be in it, but, you know, he's not like Asante Samuel where he openly campaigns for it. Um, but to, to your point, his numbers, especially his deep touchdowns, they're very unique. And they're, I, I, don't think, I don't know that they're Hall of Fame worthy because he's playing in an era where there's just so many thousand-yard receivers and sure. so many guys. But he has compiled over a, over a decade now uh, a lot of receiving yards, a lot of touchdowns, and a lot of catches. So I, I don't know where it stands or where, when he finishes his career where it's going to stack up. But um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, you'd have to like look at his numbers and compare them to Lynn Swan, right? Lynn Swan's in the Hall of Fame, but well, they never threw the ball. Fifth, fifth big plays, 50-yard-plus touchdowns is ridiculous. Yeah. Just think, Jeff, if he, did, if he didn't have that hamstring injury, excuse me, the groin injury, the, he had the uh, sports hernia surgery. Right. If he didn't have that, and who knows how many games he would have played, though maybe it was a hamstring he would suffer. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain he got hurt against Washington, mm-hmm. the game where he had the two 50-yard-plus touchdowns. And he didn't play. He played one more game against Chicago. He was out after – was it like three plays and he got hurt and that was it. Yeah. Just think of how good this offense would have been if they would have had him last season. Yeah, well, I have some notes on that when we talk a little bit All about right. the offense later. But I agree with you. I mean, they were pretty prolific in the game one, and then they were a whole lot different when he was out. Uh, let, let's continue just on, on phase three, right? Let's go through what they can sure. do because I believe practice will start off at 90 minutes uh, on Monday, right? But yeah. then it, it gradually increases by 15 minutes per day until September 6th. Until they yes, get to- the last, right. It's the last Sunday before week one. Right. So basically the way it's going to work is this. The first two weeks of training camp are going to be t- are going to be in pads. The third week, they may or may not be in pads. You only have fourteen days, but that will be mm-hmm. actually a transition to week one. You, right. I think, if one of the coaches told me correctly, the the you're you're, you're turning the pace because remember the fourth preseason week, Jeff, is your game planning for week one, mm-hmm. and obviously you get to week one in the next week. So, right, you really only have two weeks to really now get real competition. It, it is what it is. And you just – you struggle to see. I don't know how these young players 
six seventh round picks undrafted free agents with NFL teams. Jeff are going to make it because they're right. just not going to get off reps. Right. No, that's true. That's true. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds. Um, they're, they're allowed to be in pads from now until the September 6th. Uh, I, Doug right. has already come out and said he's going to have two practices where they're... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tackling to the ground. Now, that doesn't mean he can't and won't have other practice where they're in Thud. pads. Thud. Thud, right, yeah. which is like... With the elbow, yeah, I used to love... Yeah, I, love I, I always try to figure out a way to describe yeah. thud yeah. to people. It's <laughs> almost like uh, everything up until the point of tackling. <laughs> yeah, well, I love the thud. The first time I saw it a couple decades ago, uh-huh. they don't really tell you anything. You have to ask questions. I'm like, okay, why did that guy not take him to the ground, but he gave an elbow, he gave him a fist, uh-huh. he pushed him. Well, you, you just said it, Jeff. You, you can't take him to the ground. But you could, you could, you make contact, and the big thing is an elbow or a forearm, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of funny to see that. But um, and you'll see they'll come right at them, and they'll they'll do all they can to have some contact without taking them to the ground. So we call it the thud period. Right. And then they're going to be periods where they hit. But the difference between when you and I first started covering league to now is the hitting periods are not fifteen to twenty minutes; they're like three to five minutes. It's kind right. of a joke. It's a lot in goal line too, but yeah. It's, Nothing like it was when I first started Covered League, man. It's kind of like, okay, we want to do hitting, but we're not going to do it for very long. Right. You just hit on it. Uh, I think the last few years, most of the live tackling practices that I've seen have not been normal, all normal scrimmages. They've been a lot of um, situational, like you said, goal line, uh, a little third down, fourth and one type stuff where you really have to get physical and you're trying to move that chain that one or two yards. But it's not necessarily from 20 to 20. Uh, as we like to say. So, yeah, I agree with that. So what do you think – what are you told about what the teams, and with the Eagles or any team, really can learn up till this point? All right. Uh, what so, they learn? Because, right, because there's no tackling. They weren't in pads. Mm-hmm. The teams are allowed to do 11-on-11, 7-on-7. You could see for the rookies, let's say at receiver, right, mm-hmm. or the, or, or the second-year players, you could see the route running. You could see your explosion. Did they look like they did on college tape from an explosion uh-huh. standpoint? Did they carry out their assignment well? Were they running the right route? If not, did let's say it was uh, Aaron Moorhead, the receivers coach, did he, was he able to correct it? Obviously, they had they have uh, post practice time when they when they're watching film, and they also have their off season program where they were not on the field but they had the Zoom sessions for several several weeks. But this is the first time in phase two on Friday and Sunday, Jeff, that they could actually start seeing, okay, there's some competition here. They could start measuring, okay, does he know what he's doing? Is he carrying it out? They're not worrying about uh, tackling because you can't. They're not worried about right. being in pads. They just – you don't want to go overboard with it, especially with offensive linemen. You can't hit anyone. Right. You really can't judge offensive linemen very much. It's really for receivers, running backs, and we'll get to Miles Sanders in a second. Uh, and then corners, are they, car- are they covering well? Are they are they line up correctly? Uh, are they do they have the right coverage? They know what they're doing. Just carrying out their assignments. Sure, you don't want to go crazy with this stuff because right. When I hear stuff from people around the league, you know, it, they always say don't go crazy with this stuff because it doesn't mean a lot. 
we start to start, we, we're not making hard judgments. We're starting to learn some stuff because the kids have to know what the heck they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not, and by the way, not everybody's practicing. I know Jason Peters, I think it was Sunday didn't work. I, I, I don't, teams do not tell, they don't have to tell you whether guys have an injury or not. They could, you could ask if they had practice or not. But um, I know you had reported that, uh, who was it, Diller? Had a knee Diller, injury yeah. or something? Uh, that was yeah, a, I, a minor knee thing, yeah. Right, I'm told he was back Friday. Oh, good. And good. it did work Sunday. I, I don't with offensive linemen, I have no idea how they're doing. I just know whether they worked or not. But um, and I have yeah. no idea whether it's a veteran day for Peters. I have no idea because they don't. Again, they're not telling us whether the guys hurt or not. So, and mm-hmm. and, and by the way, when when, when um, this week when reporters are there, they'll note it. You'll see it all over Twitter. Who didn't work and who didn't? Right. Not really a big deal, but it becomes a big deal because here's here's why it was a big deal last summer. I didn't know it until I reported it about Goddard. I didn't know that he had a calf injury. Uh, he suffered on, I believe, the second day of training camp. And mm-hmm. that is the reason, Jeff, that he struggled in the first half of the season. Because if you remember, he re-injured it against Atlanta. And he, I don't did he play in that game? Was it warm-ups? I thought he got hurt in that game, right? Or did he, was it warm-ups or was, did he even play? I don't remember. No, he played in that. I think he, he's not the one that, that – yeah, it was, that was Alshon and Deshaun that got hurt. He got right, hurt but he got hurt in that game. game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was the and same I calf strain. Yeah. I think he missed the next game, if I, the, the Lions game, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds right. Yeah. Right, and he clearly was not right. That He had a pretty bad – he had pretty decent calf strain. It right. uh, just wasn't right. So you got to be careful with these, with these injuries, uh, certainly in training camp. So they're in phase three now. Uh, for the 17th and the last days of six is that Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can hit 14 uh, padded practices. And as you said, Jeff, it's 90 minutes and they, they could increase daily. Uh, they, they will get some days off. No question about that. But right. look, now the competition phase, real phase in pads. The coaches now are on the national football. They're going to start really learning. And you know what? They all have two weeks, Jeff, really, to figure out who's winning jobs and who's not. Yeah, a source of the team explained to me that this is going to be the most critical evaluation time that they have these next two yeah. or three weeks. As you just mentioned, it's been good. Right now, they've been able to see who understands the playbook, who can carry out the playbook onto the field just from an assignment standpoint. Do you right. know where you're supposed to right. be? Do you know your technique? Do you know this and that? But of course, the real evaluation, as far as, and we'll talk about it a little bit, as far as job battles, right? And who should be playing what positions when is really going to start. That evaluation starts today. And, and to go back to what you said, Adam, um, the, because there was a little bit of a reaction to it. You, you can't put anything into the Deshaun Jackson, Darius Slay video that Chad Johnson leaked. Thanks to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I'm the, so the glad thing, he did though. Yeah. That was really good stuff. Yeah, It was good to see something. Right. But I, I will say you can, you can put into this. You did see, um, uh, what I would call a nice delayed release under Sean, you know, right off the snap, he kind of suckered Darius into, into not giving away the route because he didn't really explode off scrimmage. And then he did. And then you saw him use his left hand to kind of swipe away Darius's um, jam attempt. So that, that's good. Good hand usage by Deshaun. Good release. But you would expect that of a 33-year-old veteran that he knows what kind of release and hand usage to do. Uh, but there, to, to people who are saying – that this is a bad sign for Darius Slay. It's not, got, by the way. No pass rush. By the way, <laughs> apparently Slay looked damn good. Uh-huh. Uh, the rest of the two days, I guess, Friday and Sunday, just from what I understand, Slay was tremendous. Um, nice. Uh, that's all. There's not, again, there's not a lot to glean from these situations, but you're looking to make sure for Deshaun first that he that he's back all the way from his, his surgery where he had both sides of his uh, – his groin area repaired, and he's doing great. See, here's the thing before I get to Miles Sanders. 
players had nothing else to do this offseason other than spending time with their family because they couldn't go anywhere. Right. So Deshaun was in Tampa. You've seen the videos. They're out there on social media. Uh, he's trained his ass off, and he's probably in the best shape of his career because all he could do is train. Right. And you, you, know, you, you see the two plays, the, the, hit, the, the, uh, the hitch route and uh, the stop and go, and he, he got it done. There's no question about it. Now, Miles Sanders, uh, I don't want to go too crazy. He's a running back, so you can't really touch him. Mm-hmm. Can't really make contact. But the people around the team have noticed this. It's kind of like he knew in March – once Darren, not Darren Howard, God, why do I always call him that? Jordan Howard. Darren Howard is a former defensive end for the Eagles. But uh, bef- once they knew that Jordan Howard was not coming back, it's like Sanders knew, Jeff, that that was his message, you're the guy. Mm-hmm. He's taking it seriously. Uh, he trained out in L.A. and I think somewhere else around the country. And people have been around him say that. It's just not that he's a new person. He gets the deal. He understands you're the guy, handle yourself the right way, mm-hmm. and we're putting a lot on you because you're special. And apparently, whenever his name has been called in the passing game, he's looked incredibly explosive, even more than last season. And you saw how special he is with the 50 catches. And for right. those of you who have brought this up to me, and I think it's just complete nonsense, so I'm going to address it. I didn't even answer it on social media. People play fantasy. Like, one guy said, well, the only reason why I called all those passes is because Jeffrey was hurt. Jackson was hurt. Okay. I get what you're saying, but it's not like they're going to, oh, well, like Jeffrey could be back in, you know, as we reported on our show, maybe first month, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Deshaun's back and Goddard's healthy and Ertz is back. Well, he only catch 25 passes. No, no. They, they, they found something special here. You don't go away from that. Are you kidding? He will right. destroy linebackers. Okay. You see mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, what he does when he's healthy, he had a knee injury last season, but right. Miles is pretty damn special, and I don't think the Eagles had any idea he was this good in the pass game. Well, that's good. That's that that would validate what you and I have been saying for quite a while about a the need for a player of Miles Sanders' caliber, and then after last year, what we've said we've seen in Miles, and you know Brian Westbrook has been on with us and has said it as well. So uh, that's always good news. I want to get into more of what we heard on um, some of the offensive players and defensive players, Adam. But first. Got to tell everybody about our new partner that we're planning to do some really cool stuff with throughout the season. We're teaming up with Philly's own stateside vodka. It's the fastest growing craft spirit in Pennsylvania and the first vodka on the market to actively hydrate the consumer with an electrolyte composition. So what's better than this? I do this. All right. I got to get a bottle because I like vodka. And now when you tell me with electrolytes, man, I I mean, I could be hydrated properly instead of drinking water. No, I'm just kidding. Who who knew? (laughs) Exactly. It's awesome. You can drink vodka and still be hydrated. I love vodka. Get, Get my screwdriver going. So, you know, Stateside's headquartered in Kensington, Philly, and it's seven times distilled, certified gluten-free, and top-of-the-line premium vodka. You know that we love supporting Philly and locally-owned businesses, which is why we're really excited about Stateside Vodka. So next time you're thinking about Tito's, which is operated in Cowboys country down in Texas, <laughs> you got to think to yourself, do I want to support the Eagles or the Cowboys? Uh... You know the answer. There's no better vodka than Stateside. It's award-winning and it's Philly produced. So go to statesidevodka.com for 10% off the best vodka out there with promo code BIRDS on pickup or delivery. That's right. They deliver to Philadelphia County, Chester County, Delco, Monco, Bucks County, Westmoreland, and Allegheny. So if you live there, go to statesidevodka.com. Get your 10% off a pickup or a delivery by using the promo code 
birds. Remember, supporting stateside is also supporting inside the birds. We've got some cool things cooking with our fantasy football league for our ITB faithful, and we're excited to kick things off with stateside. So remember, promo code birds for 10% off Philly's own stateside vodka. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about the offense. We just gave you some stuff on uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, we talked about Deshaun and, uh, you know, what, what we expect. I'm hearing some positive things about Aaron Moorhead, uh, uh, Adam. I imagine you might have been also. Yeah, I just know that I talked to Sony, coach with at Vanderbilt, and spoke the world of Aaron. He's got great command. Uh, it's not a secret if you watch his media briefing. Uh, he has a relationship with Jalen Rager that goes back you know, over well over a decade because of his relationship with his dad, Monte, they both played with the Colts. So mm-hmm. um, you would think that th- th- it's actually a good thing because if he's got to ride Jalen Rager, if he's not having a good practice or didn't run the right route, he knows how to handle the player because he knows it. Right. Um, but the, the key here is I'm not, I'm not worried about Jalen Rager, although he's a rookie. I'm worried about guys like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside who really t- has to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young guys like Quez Watkins. And John Hightower, those are the guys who need to be coached up hard. Right, right. Because quite frankly, with Jeffrey coming back from major surgery, okay, Deshaun coming back from surgery, these are older football players. Mm-hmm. No one could say for any certainty how many games they're going to play. They're going to need these young kids to play. And without an offseason, no preseason, Moorhead, look, Moorhead's up against it, man. He, he's going to be tested. This is, this is a big deal for Aaron Moorhead, a former Colts receiver who coached the Texas A&M and Christian mm-hmm. Kirk, the former Texas A&M. Receiver spoke very highly of him, but yeah. Moorhead's got a big job, Jeff, ahead of him. It was interesting because Moorhead mentioned that he had tried to get Rager to come to Texas A&M when yeah, he was Yeah, I'm surprised there. he didn't. I know. That? Obviously, he went to TCU yeah. um, and uh, had a, you know, a great career there. Uh, I, I thought it was also interesting that he talked about cross-training receivers because that's you know, what they've kind of normally done. And then it seemed, and I'm not you know, putting words in anybody's mouth, but it seemed like Doug was saying earlier, you know, maybe a month ago, this may not be the case where you'll have one guy, you'll have Jalen, for example, learning Z, you know, and, and having to do that first. But we, you and I have known quite a while that they want to move guys around. And it sounds like they're, they're again, they're cross. I've already mentioned uh, last podcast that Jay Joe was seeing some time in the slot and uh, Rager is seeing time at X and I'm sure they're going to get him all over the field too. Yeah. I think it, you, you told us that uh, they're going to move Rager. They're going to move Jay Joe. Uh, that makes sense. I just still cannot believe that they're going to line him up at the slot. We're talking about J.J. Ortega Whiteside. Yeah. Um, I like a little bit more suddenness from the slot receiver. Now, mm-hmm. you had mentioned through your sourcing that you're, you know, you had heard that a little bit. I guess because J.J. Ortega Whiteside looked good. Shades of Jordan Matthews when Matthews was a pretty high-level football player. Now, if he's even a shade of that, they're on to something with this kid. Well, I, I ne- again, I never – tall slots you don't see very much. Usually your slot receiver, Cooper Cup is probably the tallest guy at six one and a half, but they're right. typically five eight to five eleven. So right. we'll see. And Rager clearly could play in the slot, and obviously Greg Ward. Now, I guess he was. I guess Doug Peterson was asked about Greg Ward being a starting player. Well, folks, the Eagles are a twelve personnel team, not eleven. They'll play eleven when they have to, but they're they're with Goddard and Ertz there. As long as they're there, they're they're a twelve personnel team, which means two tight ends, two receivers. Mm-hmm. So that means Ward's not going to play a lot unless they're in a, a pretty significant passing situation. Right, right. I, I, I like Greg Ward, and I understand why Doug spoke him up. I think it's good because with so much uncertainty, Greg Ward could be, should, could, might, and might be your slot receiver in eleven personnel. But I'm obviously there are guys that they would like to see succeed ahead of him, but you just don't know if they will. 
So it's I mean, I did, I do think Doug sees him as a leader and sees him as an, you know, a guy who really helped them, as you mentioned last podcast in December, what would they have been without him? But the reality of a guy like Greg Ward is the the reality of a guy like Greg Ward with his pedigree is that you're always trying to get better. And the Eagles hope that they've found young guys. You are better, but he's got, we don't know. Well, here's the thing though. He knows the offense. Remember Mm -hmm. he's been on and off the roster for three years. He knows the scheme. He knows the terminology. He he knows Carson. Uh, He was indispensable late last season. He was just tremendous. And, yeah, he's not fast. Yeah, he's small, but he gets open. He doesn't drop the football. That's saying a lot for for a guy that has not been playing receiver very long, a former college quarterback at Houston. So uh, that's good there. Then, you know, offensive line, Jordan Malata, uh, you came off the COVID list. I'm told he did practice. That's good. good. So so now, Jeff, now they're in pads. They've got two weeks to figure it out with this guy. Well, yeah, I feel like by the next podcast in two, we're going to have a lot more on the offensive line that we've been able to give – up until now, I mean, all I, I, you know, all we can say is I know that Jack Driscoll is a guy who's really appealed to Jeff Stoutland. He's Jeff Stoutland has been a fan so far of Jack Driscoll's development. But let's put the pads on because the one knock on on Jack coming out of college at Auburn was that he had to put weight on. He's going to struggle against really big, strong guys because he himself needs to get bigger and stronger, which is very common of offensive linemen anyway who are drafted, especially those drafted second, third, fourth, and and later in the rounds, but you and I know when you impress the coaches, you know, take TJ Edwards last year. Was he the best athlete that they had at linebacker? No, but did he impress the coaches enough to be able to make the team and to make an impact? Yes, because the door wound up opening for him. So we'll have to see how Jack Driscoll does over these next week or two. But I, I I would tell people to be, you know, to kind of like monitor it, listen to what we say, be encouraged by what you've at least heard so far. Jack Driscoll. That's it. Look, if it, he's a fourth round pick, mm-hmm. if he could be the swing tackle, well, he can't play left because I don't. He's not long enough. But right, if he could be the backup guard, both guard spots, or well, I know Pryor's there, but Pryor might be the he might be the backup tackle. But mm-hmm. if Driscoll could dress every week and be a two position player, that, that's a home run as a fourth round pick. That's exactly what you're looking for, and then. Once they think he's comfortable, remember, Peters is highly unlikely to come back after the season, but you never want to mm-hmm. say never. Brooks should be back next season as a starter. They owe him $10 million anyway for next season, so he might as well be back. And if he could do that, if Driscoll could be that top backup, that's, that's, that's exactly what he was drafted to be. How many linemen did they keep last year? I'm trying to remember. Coming out of camp. Was it nine or eight? Well, Herbig made it. Okay. Right. Herbig, Pryor. Herbig, Big V. Big V, right? Eight or nine? Was Sua Peto on the team? I don't remember. No. He did not start off. Okay. He got promoted because somebody was going to sign him. Oh, okay. So Herbig made it right because he's a Oh, Mylotta. Yeah, they had nine. They had nine. No, Mylotta. Didn't wasn't Mylotta on IR? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're correct. Right. So Uh, they really – it was eight. I'm wondering if this year they keep nine, though, because, A, they've got a pretty decent amount of talent, and, B – Jason Peters' age. You know, well, actually, not just Jason Peters, but you've got Peters who has a history, who's get, obviously 36-year-old and banged up, but Jason Kelsey's 33, Lane Johnson's 30. I just wonder if they look at the overall age of the starters and say, you know what, we may want to have another one, one other guy because we can because the, the guy's good enough and worth worthy to keep. So you keep like, like Matt Pryor, you keep Maialata, uh, you keep – say, you know, Herbig and Driscoll. Or maybe it's just Driscoll. Maybe they just go with eight and those three. 
Pryor, Mailata, Driscoll. Yeah, but who's your backup sense? center? Who's your backup center? Well, I guess you could slide say Malu there, but you're right. They don't always love to do that. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I guess yeah, maybe. Th- well, then that that goes to my point. Do they keep nine j- to keep Nate Herbig on as a backup? Well, center? I would think it'd be internet. Well, Nago's not making it. He's he's a project and. Right. Yeah, no, but remember, they have not put Brandon Brooks on IR yet, so uh, he's still on the That's roster. And look, he would... he, he... Go ahead. look, I'm just telling you, uh-huh. and I've seen this happen before, if they think a guy can come back for the playoffs or has a chance to, why put him on IR? So we'll see. I just know the wow, way this guy rehabs. You think he could come back in the first six uh, this, weeks, this is... though? That, no, no, that, no, that no, no, be... no, 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 oh, no. Okay. Six months, six months, I said. No, no, months. I'm just saying, though, you, why wouldn't you just put him on IR with a chance to return? Uh, because that well, would only yeah, keep him out six they weeks. can. Uh, and I have to see with the new CBA how many they have. Uh-huh. Who, who, knows who, who knows who needs to go on that? You know, right mm-hmm. now, uh, they Deshaun Hall is the only one on the reserve list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deshaun Hall, if you remember, was um, uh, cleared waivers. So, um, or did, wait, I think, wasn't he cut first? I thought Deshaun Hall was cut first. But he was wave injured, something like that. No, he he made Deshaun Hall made the team. No, no, I'm talking about this year. He was wave. Oh, yeah, I'm I was sorry. right. He yeah, was wave, he was wave, wave injured. Wave right. failed physical, and, and now he passed through his own PUP. So, right. Anyway, getting back to the Eagles situation now. What? Uh, well, let's. You want to go over to defense? Well, I want to make one more point on offense because this is okay. something I was told, and right. I think it's a really good observation because cool. we've brought it up a lot. Uh, it, this is the second time I've heard it. So, two different sources have articulated a real optimism to me about what coach uh, Scangarello, coach scan is bringing to the offense. How so? Um, well, just for a lot of what we said, how it looks different, more explosive, getting guys, the ball in space. It, it just, it's a noticeable difference. I know Doug tried to downplay the difference, but you and I have talked about what he's expected to bring from his Kyle Shanahan uh, pedigree. And it's, I just think that when two two different people, you know, on the team tell me that they can really tell what he's doing and that it's having a good effect. I think it's worth mentioning. That's great. Yeah. Cause yeah. he, the big thing and Brian Westbrook told, told us this when we had our ITB TV with him, what Kyle Shanahan's offense does is so good at disguising whether it's going to be a run or a pass play. It's just incredible how well he does it with play action or run action. And that's what Scangarello is going to bring in here. And you know, Rich called plays at Wagner. He mm-hmm. called plays last season with Denver. Uh, quite frankly, he would be the, he would still be the OC, but uh, he had a disagreement with, as I understand, with Vic Fangio, mm-hmm. uh, the the head coach, and you know, obviously he's no longer there. Pat Shermer's the OC, so this guy's a talented coach. He's experienced. He's been coached at the pro and college levels. He, he brings a lot of experience and different ideas. Andrew Briner as well, and Marty right. Morningweg. My goodness gracious, is here. So <laughs> this is going to be fun. I, I know it's a short short off season, and and. You know, no preseason and all that, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't be different. And I expect the offense to have some subtle differences that we've not seen before. All right, let's go to the defense first. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code ITB for a special offer when you sign up. That's code ITB for a special offer when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, on to the defense. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, Chomping at the bit, Adam, for these pads to come on, so we can get some, so we can get some good defensive line <laughs> news, right? I, I mean, I, I, know... the go- I, I, I love, I love when you say that. I, I used to love going 
when con before the 11 CBA, when you could have a ton of contact, I used to love the one-on-one -on -one drills, mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the left tackle versus the right defensive end and how they would go at it and how physical it would be. They still might do it, but they're not going to be as long as they used to be. Mm -hmm. I, I just like that stuff. I'm big on like when I would go to the senior bowl, Jeff, they put, they call it the pit mm -hmm. guys would go against each other. And it was just, that's, that that's old school football. I like that stuff. So yeah, we're going to, they're going to have it this week and starting today. And uh, we're going to see Malik Jackson, as you know, who only played the one game and barely played one game because he got hurt. Uh, yeah, you he, mentioned something about him last pod that he's he's lost some weight. Or, or yeah, yeah. Well, he's also light. He mm -hmm. might play around two ninety, but uh, he's in the low two eighty somewhere around there. I don't know the exact number, but he's in great mm -hmm. shape. Looks good. Um, that rotation's just going to be absurd with Javon Hargrave now in there, and and uh, and Hassan Ridgeway and Anthony Rush, and they're just incredibly deep. And Raekwon Williams, I know they're really excited about. So. That's going to be a great thing. Joe Osman come back from ACL reconstruction. He looks good. Uh, we had said in the last show, it'll be interesting to see if they keep five, six, or they can't keep seven, but whether they keep five or six defensive ends, you know, that, that, that to me, and we'll, over the next two weeks, we'll, we'll get a better idea of who's doing well and who's not, but mm -hmm. that will not be easy for the Eagles because with the expanded practice squads, the, the secret's out on Joe Osman. Other teams know about him. They saw the reporters writing about I, one other one team told me they're well aware of him because they don't know how the Eagles got him. Because I guess there were other teams involved with Osman mm -hmm. uh, with two years ago, whenever the hell it was they had him, first had him. But the Eagles won out uh, getting him. And, um, you know, if he didn't tear his ACL, we know he was going to be on the team anyway. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here if um, – He's got to make it. I don't see him getting cut. Well, do you think he and Gennard Avery can both make the team? Well, you heard Matt Burke in his press briefing talk about it, how Avery brings that speed. Right. And he's certainly different than anyone that they have, and that's been the issue is the lack of athleticism at the end. Uh -huh. you, put, you, you put Avery in there. He definitely. By the way, he did say he's playing and not, not outside linebacker. There's been some right. speculation, but he's playing in. Barnett, Graham – Curry, Sweater, four are definitely making it. They're definitely keeping at least five. Now, here's the question again. Avery, Miller, Osman for one or two spots. Mm -hmm. I'll be fascinated to see because Miller showed up in, in, in uh, pretty good shape in terms of he's built himself in this offseason. Yeah. It's the only word I got on him, but you know what? He's got, the guy's long and he's athletic. He's a little bit raw, but he goes, he's another guy because Graham's getting up there. Curry's on a one-year deal. You've been pushing for it, and I agree with you. And, and by the way, Casey Tuhill's there. We shouldn't forget about him. Yeah. These, these young kids have got to start getting in the rotation. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I just – I don't know, man. I, have a, I know I said this last podcast, and some people reacted to it on the um, Facebook community page, which was cool because, you know, I don't pretend to have the crystal ball here, but cutting Sharif Miller in year two when he didn't play at all last year, for not necessarily because he's bad, because they had such a good – D line, and because you drafted him in the fourth round, I, that seems like I don't know. I that, <laughs> do you, you don't cut fourth round picks <laughs> to me. I mean, in, in year two, unless they're completely terrible. But as you just mentioned, they're happy with how the shape that he's came in this year, and he couldn't play last year to be terrible. So I, it's just weird. I mean, look, I get it. You have a lot of players at that position, and that's a good problem to have, but. 
we, we've talked about this team's drafting already. And if you're cutting a, a fourth round pick in year two and he hasn't even played, that to me is a little fishy. But I guess well, we'll, have to say, well okay, you better I'll be say, right. I guess I, I, that's what I mean. You better be correct on who you keep if that's the case. Before we get to linebacker, I would say this. Uh, if Joe Osman looks like he did before the injury, he's not going anywhere with the affinity that the front office and coaches have for this guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a, not only is he a really good special teams player, you just love having him around there. Just mm-hmm. a guy you want on your, it's kind of like Sean Bradley at linebacker. He's right. going to make the team because he's a special teams player, but he's an mm-hmm. incredible locker room guy. The, the team is in love with Joe Osman, who's just a great find from the 18 draft, but I, I'd say they keep six. No less than five, obviously. It's either going to be five or six. My, my, my guess would be six. We'll, we'll, we'll know over the next two weeks. And then Jeff at linebacker, you already talked about T.J. Edwards. We kind of know. Yeah. We kind of know, Jeff, that they're, they're going to be a heavy nickel team. They're between 65 and 70% nickel anyway. So it's going to be Gary is going to be a starting nickel linebacker. Mm-hmm. Riley now with, with, with um, the, the kid who retired, Jatavis Brown, not there, right. who right. could have been. So it's going to be Riley, Gary. Well, I tell you, uh, Adam, two people have told me now since the start of camp that they've been impressed with TJ Edwards coming in uh, and being in even better shape than he was last year. I think he shed a few more pounds, and they told me he's running better than he even did last year. And the one thing we consistently say about Edwards is that, you know, he's a kind of a downhill linebacker. That's what he was at Wisconsin. He lost weight last year just to be NFL ready, but apparently he's got himself even more ready to play, to at least attempt to compete to be more than just a run down, uh, okay. first down, second down linebacker. And so I'm told he's in the mix for nickel. You, you mentioned it. you got Gary, you've got Duke Riley. Duke Riley is probably the most athletic of the three if you just went on raw athletic. Oh, he's a starter with Atlanta. I mean, the, guy, the guy's first right. years were good. Then he got benched after that, but – Right. Davion Taylor, I don't think he even dresses this season. He's just um, right. needs to develop his body. And you know, the I think Alex for him Singleton is, is a name people should. I oh, think people, people remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah, someone well, actually, was, someone actually on our our message board on Facebook, folks, get up there because it is smart talk there. I'm there every couple of days, and Jeff is on there as well. And we had someone who just signed up for the message board on Facebook and asked about Singleton. So, so go ahead. What do you got on Singleton? Well, just that he's looked good also so far. And, and as we've re- both of I have reported, you know, Davion Taylor, as you mentioned, far, far from being where they need him to be to play defense, maybe special teams. But when you're looking at backup linebackers, you're, you're looking at Alex Singleton, who was on the team last year and played mostly special teams, and, and a good special teamer. They like him. Um, a kind of a hair on fire type of player. Uh, you know, was very good up in Canada. I think he was – Defensive player of the year in Canada, two straight years, and then the Eagles really? signed him. Uh, yeah, he was he was wow. a very good player. Man, this the, guy's got to get on the field, man. You know, the, yeah, well. our, our, our listeners, you know, crush the Eagles linebackers. Okay, I guess we have too. But if this guy's got talent, I mean, he's number 49, kind of an odd number, but he, he's got to get on the field here. Now, look, right. da- Davion Taylor was about nickel defense and dime defense. Mm-hmm. That's you're, you're playing nickel in the NFL these days, and Eagles particularly because they're a big nickel team. 65 to 70% of the time. So in year two, their hope is he'll be one of the starting nickel linebackers. If so, because he can run and he's there to, to, to cover linebackers, excuse me, to cover tight ends. And in today's NFL, man, tight ends dominate. Right. Someone asked on our Facebook message group if we could see Divion Taylor a couple of years down the road becoming 
the um I, I, I he said the three down dime linebacker. So I think he was insinuating that in three years the Eagles are going to be a primarily dime defense and only having one linebacker out there and Davion. I don't know, that. I don't know if we'll ever that. get that. Yeah. Well, I could say this. He could be if he's who they think he is. Mm-hmm. It was never about year one with him. They, they knew he was a project. But if he becomes that guy in passing situations, which is these days, uh, you know, 55 to 60% of the time teams throw anyway, mm-hmm. look, this, this kid could be a fine for them, but you just have to understand what he is, and he's not in year one. And it's pretty much a linebacker, n- nothing new there. I've not heard anything about Dante Olsen, uh, who would be a rundown guy anyway. Uh, then, I did check in on Dante. Right. I'm glad you mm-hmm. I forgot. Um, just eh, so far. It's just okay so far. Nothing to, to write yeah. home about and, yeah. you know, nothing that makes you think he's going to be like la- this year's version of TJ Edwards last year, okay? so But, again, the All evaluation right. starts now. The pads are on. Maybe things change. But just uh, nothing, nothing really that's really moving the needle with him okay. as far as that. Look, but, again, I, I, as you mentioned, the backup linebackers, are, when you're thinking backup linebackers right now, you're thinking Alex Singleton and you're, and you're thinking Sean Bradley, the rookie, because the coaches have liked his development. I can't, but here's my thing before we move to DBs. Yeah. Sean Bradley, the word around the league was, great kid, it would be great for your locker room, great special mm-hmm. teams player. I couldn't find anyone who said he would be able to play on defense this early. So, so let me go back to something you put on our show a while back. You'd seem to be pretty convinced that they would add a better linebacker. And for goodness sake, with with the retirement of Jatavis Brown, why, Jeff, I can't, for the life of me, I don't know why they haven't signed a veteran linebacker. That's a good question, and I still think that they're probably going to at some point before the start of the season, maybe not anytime soon, but maybe yeah. after the evaluation that we talk about. Right. But All just right. to be clear, so if you say it or if I say it, something like, hey, the coaches like what they're seeing out of Sean Bradley or Alex Singleton in year two is ready to take it, it doesn't mean that they're NFL standard linebacker. It's still in the perspective of we're talking about Eagles linebackers, and it's their weakest what they have, position, right? What right. They have. So uh, th- that's sure, why it's important sure. to say. So you, so both things can be true. Sean Bradley could be impressing the coaches, and he could be in line to be a top backup. But like you're saying, he could also be exploited when he's on the field because he's really not an NFL linebacker, a starting linebacker, like someone right. said to you. Right. So. so, so we'll we'll see how that develops. Let's go to defensive back. The the one positive, I haven't got a lot out of this, but I know mm-hmm. City Jones looks smooth and healthy. Okay. Does it really mean a lot? Oh, look, I got snuckered last year for Russell Douglas. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, okay, it sounds, I'll, so, I'll admit sounds it, familiar. Because <laughs> Russell Douglas was like maybe one of their best defensive back in, in OTAs last year. He was definitely one of the top guys. But we know that Russell Douglas is wildly inconsistent. It's more to the bottom side than the higher side. Uh, and then City Jones also had a good offseason last year. So take mm-hmm. it for what it is. A lot has been said about him. He, I'm told he'll be restricted next year, not unrestricted, because the amount of time he spent on NFI in his rookie season of 17. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. They need him. The, the Eagles are very thin at corner. It's never about names, folks. It's about how, how many guys. Depth is not about having 10 people. It's about having get players you feel like you can put in there. If you only have four guys you like and you have 10 players, you don't have very good depth. So mm-hmm. you got to get off numbers, and it's all about – like the Eagles actually have – depth at defensive end. They actually have guys who could play. Mm-hmm. Whereas at, at corner, you, you Avanti Maddox and Sidney Jones are competing for that spot opposite Darius Slay. The right. fourth corner is Priscilla Douglas, who got benched last season. Right. Craig James is a, is, a, is a number five corner. Michael Chiquette is an undrafted free agent. Or 
Jack Jaquette, I believe it Wait, is. Wait, is it Michael or Nate? Because it says Michael on on the uh, team roster, right? But I thought when they signed him, we were calling him Who Nate. Who knows? <laughs> was, it, was it Max Sheen Giles? Max Sheen Gillis? Max Sheen got, G- he was. Giles? No, he you was. get it right. Remember that? I remember someone once called, I think it was Marty, called him Jean Gillies. <laughs> Did it? <laughs> Jean Gillies. Well, no one knew. Oh, no man. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah. Um, by the way, condolences to Howard Bunt's family. I do want to mention that because I remember yeah, he definitely. did coach Max Gene Gillis here. But you getting know. to uh, – now I know Roby Coleman is going to be their slot corner. And then LeBlanc is also a backup slot, and you can play safety. I get that. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. terms of outside corners, they right. just don't have enough, Jeff. That, to me, is a no. problem. No, they don't. And I, I guess we never really got a clear-cut reason for why they had they felt the need to cut Trevor Williams. You know, he was and a he's guy not, This is weird. He has not been signed by anybody. Yeah, that is strange. And they did it early. Like I don't know. We'll, we'll check into that one. No problem. We'll, we'll get there. Did he try to sneak somebody into the team <laughs> oh, hotel? Jeff's <laughs> referring to a story in Seattle very quickly. A Seahawks undrafted rookie. Uh-huh. Trying to sneak in his girlfriend into a, the hotel where the players are staying by wearing Seahawks paraphernalia, and they, they, he thought that would work. Well, it didn't work. They caught on to it, and that that yeah. uh, that's it. And they cut them. Obviously, they cut him. So uh, you got to call. Uh, you got to call Bobby Valentine next time. To get oh, with the mustache. <laughs> yes, I remember that one. Hey, how about those Phillies? They actually won. Uh, hey, how about that? Things looking. Up. They actually score a lot of runs. It's just the bullpen. They just don't get yeah. a lot of hits. Yeah. 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 And that too. Um, all right. So let's go on uh, to. We're going to talk a little bit about some some of the players that you have information on that may have been missing time. You already said Dillard is back yeah, and working back, with yeah. the first team, which is good, by the way. Yeah, this is a yeah, guy who yeah, could not yeah. afford to be out too long, so that's good. What else do you have? Yeah, I, I know Barnett missed some time. I have no idea if he's being rested, if he had a tweak. Oh, uh, I think Hargrave might have missed a day. I, I, it, what The bottom line is the only two guys I know who were not practicing Sunday that I'd heard uh, was Arthiga White said, I have no, no idea what's, if there's any ailment, if he was just being rested. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, and, then, and, and, and Peters could have been a veteran day. Who the hell knows? Because remember, there could be in pads on Monday. But right. we'll find out this week. We'll, 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 we'll know for real if these guys are hurt or not. Uh, the, the Goddard injury threw me for a loop last year because I didn't, it took me like three weeks to find out what the hell happened. Because, mm-hmm. uh, again, teams do not have to tell reporters where the guys are hurt because you're going to see on Monday – Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if guys not practicing, if they're they're at practice, they'll say, hey, this guy's not practicing. Unless the team tells them or the agent tells them, they're probably not going to know what the injury is, if the guy's hurt at all. So nothing to worry about that I know of. But this is where the real competition comes, folks. And it's going to be a fun week around the National Football League because players are in pads and there's going to be some hitting. I'm excited for it. I want to talk about Zach Ertz and the contract before we do that. Let me just tell everybody, make sure they're checking out phlsportsnation.com. They're our friends and affiliates. They do a great job. They're always enhancing the fan experience, covering all four Philly sports teams like nobody else. So make sure you're reading their work and listening to their podcast as well. Uh, you can find them all at phlsportsnation.com. You can find them on Twitter at phlsportsnation uh, or, again, their website, phlsportsnation.com dot com for the fan by the fan that's their motto and they do an excellent job we thank them for being great affiliates of inside the birds and we'll pause uh real quick for another word from our great sponsors 
Hey, it's Jeff Mosher. Adam Kaplan and I love using Anchor for our Inside the Birds podcast every week. It's so user-friendly, anyone can create their own podcast, and you should too. Just download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor gives you everything you need to start your own podcast from your phone or computer. Its creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast for a professional sound, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so many other platforms. It can be heard by everyone, just like Inside the Birds. You can also make money from your pod with no minimum listenership. What are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to create your podcast today. All right. So, Adam, um, since we last did a podcast, George Kittle reset the market for tight ends. And then, in a big minute, way. Minute, Holy yeah, and a big, big way. And uh, minutes later, Travis Kelsey got uh, another payday. Isn't that comical. Oh, it's well. like he's waiting. I, I don't know this, but you have to wonder if, if <laughs> uh, um, Kelsey's agents were talking to uh, Jack Becta, the agent for Kittle, uh-huh. uh, who's also, by the way, Jermaine Mayberry's agent. Oh, wow, I love that. Yeah, but. It just I say that because it's just amazing how quickly it got done within minutes. But, yeah, look, we, we had reported back at the combine. Ertz will not be doing his deal if he does one at all this year mm-hmm. until he gets to see, and both sides get to see Kittle's deal. And Kittle's deal is phenomenal. They, the, the structure is incredibly good for Kittle. The, the Niners, for the first time in their history, changed their, they changed their, their, their way that they did it. The mm-hmm. structure is completely different. They did what's called an advanced guarantee. You know, typically – for those injury guarantees to convert to full guarantees, the player's got to be on the roster on April 1st every year after year one. Well, guess what? They junk that, and it actually I, – I don't have the exact dates, but I know it fully guarantees the year before instead of the following year. Mm-hmm. So they've never – this is the way some of the veteran contracts were done for agency, and I give the Niners credit for finally giving into it because mm-hmm. they've always had that leverage to do it, and they didn't have to do this deal. They could have just – tagged Kittle for two years, but they have some other players that they wanted to do. So Kittle gets $15 million a year. He resets that, that tight end market, Jeff, so that, look, Ertz is a phenomenal football player, great in the mm-hmm. community. The Eagles love him. He's already the best tight end in Eagles history. But there's no way that he's getting George Kittle's deal. However, Correct. you see the structure. Let's just say that Zach wants to get $13 million. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll just pick that number. So now when you really look at it, they could see how close they can get to Kittle. They see the structure of the guarantees and when it when it's paid. Mm-hmm. And they could do that, and the Eagles have that information. So now they could work off of that, and they could also look at Kel- Travis Kelsey's deal. Right. And they'll go from there. So at least they have something to work off of. Because, Jeff, the crazy thing at tight end is that Gronk's deal from 2010, $10 million a year, stood up to the test of time until yeah. Austin Hooper got $10.5 million with Cleveland. Right, right. Eight years. Yeah. Eight years. Yeah, I'm not telling you, running back and tight end contracts are really they're 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 almost like a fascinating study. You know, these running backs who have gotten paid recently over the last few years, like Zeke and um and Christian McCaffrey and um who's the one from the Titans that just uh uh Derek Henry, you know, they're getting these and, and Gurley got these enormous deals. And then if you go look, Steven Jackson got similar deals like ten years ago when he resigned with the Rams. You remember Steven Jackson, how good he yeah, was? I mean the yeah, running yeah, back market true. was dormant for like a decade and then these guys all of a sudden started getting paid and it sounded like a lot of money but then you went back and looked at those deals from 10 years ago you're like wait a minute <laughs> they're just catching right back up so yeah um, no it's it, good it, to it, see it, tight ends though yes, get that get that finally and, and yeah. kudos to the diners and, and uh kiddos agents so it's gonna be hard and here's why we, we've talked about this for a while 
if you extend Ertz's contract, okay, he's got two years left. What do you do with Dallas Goddard, who, who the Eagles typically try to get to guys early? After the season, he'll play three years so they can extend it. Mm-hmm. How are you going to pay two tight ends? As you astutely pointed out, the really only two team, the only team that's really done it would be the Patriots with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Unfortunately, it didn't work out uh, for different reasons, which we don't need to go into. Everyone knows why. Right. But the fact of the matter is, Jeff, I don't know how right now you do both tight ends. It's just going to be very, very difficult. You could do it, but it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be very, very hard. Well, you could, Adam, I think, is it, yeah, it's hard. But, I mean, theoretically you could do it because you can – if you're Howie, you can say, look, I'm not paying top dollar to wide – like most teams are in bed with a wide receiver right now for a lot of money. They're, the Eagles really aren't, right? I mean, th- think about how many teams are in bed with a wide – the Giants are paying a truckload to um, Golden Tate. You've got um, Dallas paying a truckload to Amari Cooper. Washington doesn't really have a lot of money invested in wide receivers because they only have one decent one. They just found them out last year. But most good teams are in bed for a lot of money at the wide receiver position, but the Eagles are not. And I wonder if you can, if Howie can look at it and say what I'm taking from wide receiver, I can give to tight end because to be fair, we're a two tight end offense anyway. It, it would have to be this Howie and Doug and, and everybody getting together. Like do, do the Eagles want to be a 12 personnel offense, not just this year, but also maybe next year in the year after, or do they want to go back to being an 11 personnel and they really hope that these receivers that they drafted all step up? I don't know if they can guarantee that. Well, well, with the, with the, the personnel they have, if they all work out, the receiver, young guys work out over time, they could do 11 and 12 a lot. They could just flip flop because if, if you did bring arts back and he has no guaranteed money after the season. So um, not like they would cut him, but, Right. It's to a situation. If you're Zach Ertz, you want Steve Carrick's agent. You want guaranteed money. You want to make sure those those two years, twenty and twenty. Well, actually, twenty one. You want to make sure that 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 eight two five eight point two five million is fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And the year after that, it's going to have mm-hmm. to be a two year structure anyway. No matter what they do after the season. Sure. sure. Uh, and and if you if you get Goddard extended, they don't have to. But if you do, he's signed through twenty twenty one. It's going to be hard to pay Goddard top dollar. Let, let me let's move this forward. Yeah. What if Goddard has a breakout season, and you have an extended Define breakout season? What if, what if he finishes the top t- ten tight end? He's got eight hundred yards, seven touchdowns. You know, averages twelve or thirteen yards per catch, which is realistic. Greg Cosell told us he thinks he's a better athlete than Ertz. Mm-hmm. And with Ertz is a you know Ertz is putting up numbers because he's a great football player. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you pay both if you don't get Ertz done this season and try to pay both next year. It's just going to be really hard. Plus, well, I mean, you have to also have, you have, there's a third part of that though. Like how did your wide receivers do? If they didn't what do, do very, if, if Deshaun Jackson didn't stay healthy and if Jalen Rager was just okay and not good. And if none of the, the, the high tower, if your wide receivers weren't that good, but as you mentioned, Dallas Goddard's a top 10 tight end and Zach Ertz is a top three tight end then I think you're, you're all right. You're, you're okay committing to both of those guys because you figure that's going to be your, your bread and butter going forward. And it's for at least for at least two years. Yeah. 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 Through, yeah. To answer your question through 2021, 20, you are absolutely 12 personnel. And right. that's what you, you, you're, you're always dictated by what, who you have. As long as both are on the roster, they're already telling you what it's going to be. It's two, it's 12 personnel. Right. 
And then you're going to be, you could go singly with one of them if you want to do that. You could split Goddard out wide because he's a little bit faster than Ertz. You could play Goddard at X for goodness sake. So Darren Waller played X last season for the Raiders, believe it or not. Right. Because they were right. really light at receiver. Yeah. So I look forward to seeing, before we get out of here, just the changes that these coaches are going to bring in. Or ideas, as Doug tells his coaches, he, he likes idea guys. Because this thing, if these if these if they could just stay healthy and get Alshon back, this is going to be looks like something they haven't done before. Because they, they were not as creative the last couple of years, I guess, has been the criticism. But mm-hmm. they're going to have all sorts of creativity. Right. No, they will be. I, I look forward to seeing that. And uh, obviously, we'll have more on that and how everything is coming along when we do our next podcast. You know, it'll drop Thursday morning, and we'll be able to give uh, a little bit more insight. So that's going to do it for this episode of Inside the Birds, the leading podcast in Eagles Intel. Big thanks to our producer, Hunter Brody. Make sure you check out on his work on YouTube. It's called Sports Talk with Broads. And check out his podcast that he does with basketball, former Villanova basketball star, Daryl Reynolds. It's called Processed. Also look for Hunter's work on Twitter, at Broads81. And as always, we thank you for flying with us. Inside the Birds.